Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 132, and I am talking with Gwen Jorgensen. Gwen is an Olympic gold medalist in triathlon, and she is currently training with the Bowerman Track Club and uh, training for marathons now. So she is married to her husband, Patrick, and they have a son, Stanley, who's about to turn one. And they just have this really fun, cute, adorable, exciting life. And I was so honored to speak with her for the show today. She is a gifted athlete and has such a big future in running and marathoning. Uh, She actually recently ran the Peachtree 10K, placing fifth. And I know you guys are probably following along with her and just as excited for her as I am. So we get to talk triathlon, cycling, running, family, all kinds of great stuff in this episode. And I really think you're going to enjoy my conversation. She was truly so fun and easy to talk to. If you are new to the show today, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. And if you like this episode, I would appreciate it so much if you would subscribe to the show and consider leaving a rating and review. You guys, I just found out, I was listening, doing a little podcast research, and I learned that new subscribers to your show helps you in rankings on iTunes. And so um, you guys know I've been pushing to get more ratings and reviews. Well, now I'm going to push subscribers as well. Um, So anyway, if you're not subscribed to the show already, I would really appreciate if you would consider subscribing. And don't worry, I also found out that when you do subscribe to the show supposedly it only downloads the four episodes at a time so if you haven't been listening in a while it's not going to clog up and keep downloading new episodes so it won't hurt you I promise or your phone storage whatever (laughs) I am really excited because I've been backloading lots of episodes I've been recording a ton of episodes actually today alone I recorded three episodes Um, I'm due to have my fourth son my fourth baby boy in just two weeks time. So don't you worry though. I'm going to have lots of episodes um, recorded and ready to go. And we will not miss a Friday um, here on all have another. So, all right guys, well let's go ahead and get started and enjoy this conversation with Gwen Jorgensen. Welcome to the show, Gwen. How are you doing today? Doing really well. How are you? I'm great. What have you been doing with your day? It's only 9 a.m. on the on the West Coast. I know. It's uh, super early. It's actually, uh, I have the morning off and it's been the first time in like four months. So I actually went out to breakfast for the first time in four months with my family, which was awesome. With Patrick and Stanley. That's right. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's great. And now you're giving me some of your morning off. I feel so special. Yes, very special. (laughs) So we're talking with an Olympic gold medalist, Gwen Jorgensen, who um, has recently moved from triathlon to long distance running. So Gwen, I want to give everybody like a brief rundown of your history. You swam and you ran competitively in college at the University of Wisconsin. And then you were actually recruited to pursue the sport of triathlon post-college by USA Triathlon which I didn't yep. even know people, I didn't know USA Triathlon did that. Yeah, it's actually, they started it, I was the first or second year that they started that college recruitment program, and it's really grown since then. So, you know, back when I was recruited in that first year of the college recruitment program, they just basically said, you are a 
good runner with a good swimming background. We think you'd be good at triathlon. And they helped find me a coach and they helped find me a bike. Um, they actually gave me a loaner bike. So, you know, they really set me up. But now it's just grown into this amazing college recruitment program where they bring you down to camp in Arizona and house you and give you coaching. And it's this daily performance environment. So it's really grown and it's a great program. And I think it's why triathlon has been doing so well recently in, in the United States. Okay. So tell me what you think, what did they see in you? Like, why did they pick you when, before they started, you know, really heavily recruiting people? The woman who was heading it up, Barb Lindquist, is an Olympian in triathlon as well. And when she called me, she said, on paper, Gwen, you have the statistics to be an Olympian. So, you know, I think what they look for is they look for swimmers with a running background or runners with a swimming background because they say you can teach anyone to ride a bike. And it is uh, there's a little more to it than that. But, you know, riding a bike, a lot of it is just putting in the miles. And if you put the miles in and you have an aerobic capacity, you'll you'll pick it up uh, fairly well. Yeah. So when did you learn that you actually were also good at the bike? Because clearly the practice is one thing, but you had to be talented as well to be so successful. Yeah. You know, riding the bike and learning to to just deal with the technicalities of the bike were something that it was a big struggle for me. And, you know, I I'm a little bit of a scaredy cat, so going downhill fast was scary for me. I'd, I'd, you know, be riding in a pack, and that was scary for me as well. I had a couple falls, and, um, you know, I had to work really hard. I remember every week I'd be in the parking lot and do drills, and, um, you know, I always felt like it was an area that I needed to improve. And I think, you know, there was a couple things that helped me. My husband used to be a professional cyclist, so, um, you know, he helped me a ton, and then, I would say I, I didn't feel like I had mastered the cycling portion until I did a race in Stockholm, I think in 2013. And it was a really technical course. And everyone said it was going to be a bad race for me because it was a really technical bike course. And I wasn't strong on the bike. And I ended up having a great race. And I feel like I really just excelled after that because I used that as confidence. And I you know, I really realized at that race that, no, I am good at cycling and, and I can do this. I just need to get over the fact that... Um, it's really scary for me. <laughs> yeah, biking scares the crap out of me. And I find that the hardest thing with biking is always um, that hard effort for such a long, sustained amount of time. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I mean, now that I'm running long distance, I guess I look at it as on the bike you get to recover. Because at some points, mm -hmm. if you go downhill or whatever, you can just coast. And so sure. um, for me, it's more... Um, yeah, I always thought the biking was a little bit, uh, you always got a break. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think that the power, like the powerhouse of your, that your legs have to have to, to go. I mean, tell me how many miles per hour you're riding when you, for instance, when you, uh, won your gold medal, like what was your average mile per hour on the bike? Oh my goodness. I have no idea. <laughs> I wish my husband knows. Um, you know, I just, I, I have, I don't even have a clue. You know, I think in the racing we did, I guess it's very dynamic. And there's um, in the the Olympic triathlon and the ITU, which is the racing I would do. 
a lot of time it's it's like a crit course. So there's a lot of turning, a lot of 180s, a lot of coming from a dead stop. So a lot of it, um, you know, is having the ability to have a really high peak power and then be able to recover quickly. And it's not necessarily, um, you know, you, you could say your average power or your average speed was X or Y, I don't even know, 25 miles per hour or something. And but if you have to come to a dead stop on all these corners and accelerating out, I felt like that was what was really more difficult about it. Okay, last bike questions, because uh, I know everybody wants to hear about the running. But tell me one of the biggest things and the biggest lessons you've learned from your husband uh, on the bike since he came from a professional cycling background. Oh, man, there's a lot. Um, you know, I think something he really taught me was how riding different bikes could really benefit my, my road cycling. So, you know, for instance, in the off season, he forced me to do cycle cross races. He forced me to go mountain biking and I would sometimes basically almost have a panic attack on the side of the road or in the middle of the trail and be like, I can't do this. I'm horrible. I just want to walk back. It's too rocky. And I felt like really getting over that and learning how to be almost like one with my bike. I was able to do that through those, those different types of biking. So, you know, I, I always like to encourage people who are learning to cycle, to try different types of riding, get on the track and do a, you know, track bike on the velodrome and do some cycle cross and do some mountain bike. And I feel like that is something that he taught me that really was beneficial for my road cycling. Do you like mountain biking? I do now, but, um, I still don't like it when there's a bunch of rocks. So yeah. I like a very like well manicured trail. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, and you know, for some reason I as well, I just have a weird thing. If there's like a sharp left-hand tor- corner and there's a cliff on my right side, for some reason, that's just like the worst combination. Mm-hmm. And if there's something like that, I just every time freak out and end up normally getting off my bike, which is a little embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) It's terrifying though. I have to say this quick little story about biking. I once did a half Ironman and I showed up for a bike fitting like two weeks before the race or three weeks. And I was riding this like hundred dollar like trek bike that wasn't a (laughs) cruiser, but it was like a really heavy bike. And I had been training on it. And the guy at the bike shop was like, so are you doing like a sprint triathlon? Like, what are you doing? And I was like, no, I'm doing a half Ironman. Oh. And he was like, you're not really riding this bike, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of reevaluated because I was like, you know, totally doing it recreationally. And I wasn't about to spend a ton of money on triathlon. So I found a friend that had a better bike that didn't weigh 900 pounds and ended up riding <laughs> her bike. But it was that's, so funny. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, I think, I mean, to your point, you don't want a hundred dollar bike, but I think a lot of times there's people that don't get into the sport because they think it's really expensive. And I do think you can get a very good bike that will get the job done without spending a ton of money. Um, you know, so I never want that to discourage people from, from entering a race, but a hundred dollar bike would probably, uh, (laughs) put you at a little bit of a disadvantage. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I think I had that was the bike I like rode around from class to class in in college oh, and stuff goodness. like that. Like it just wasn't the kind of bike and no. I didn't even buy one. I just borrowed one from a friend That's who, awesome. yeah. And it, that, and her bike was not top of the line, but it was, yep. it was doable for Better. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so swimming or running, what comes more naturally to you? running for sure. Um, when I was growing up, I actually, I loved swimming and that's all I wanted to do. Even though I knew like in high school, I knew I was more 
naturally just gifted at running. But growing up, I loved swimming. Now I hate swimming, though. <laughs> you don't like it at all? Oh, I, I dread getting in the water. Um, I think it's just, you know, I spent so many years of getting up at 5 a.m. and jumping in a cold pool. I just am every time, once I'm in the water, I'm okay. But the thought of having to jump in a pool, I just always get scared that I'm going to be freezing cold or something. Yeah, I cannot stand the first like four seconds of getting into the pool. Now, you clearly then your heart's with running and it sounds like it has been for a long time. Yep. So let's talk about the transition. And before we do that, I want to bring up the fact that you started a family kind of between these, between this transition or while you were transitioning or however you want to say it. Um, tell me how you made that decision because I, you don't know of a lot of athletes competing at your level who have entered motherhood. A lot of people seem to wait until that part is over. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I've looked at a lot of other women who did the transition, um, of motherhood and, and staying in the career. And that's, you know, Nicola Spearig, who won gold in London in the triathlon and then um, got another medal in, in Rio. You know, she had a baby in between there. And, um, you know, looking at someone like Beth Gertis or, you know, there's just all these women in triathlon alone that had a child and came back. And then there's women in running as well who had a child and, you know, Kara Goucher. And then there's Dina Castor who's still running and has, um, an adorable, her adorable Piper. Um, so there's all these women who did it and I think they really paved the way. I think there's still a little question mark by a lot of athletes of, can I get my body back? You know, what, what's it going to be like after having a baby? Will I be able to do both? And, I was definitely nervous about um, making the transition from motherhood back into athletics, but it was more so, you know, I think I was more so nervous about would sponsors, you know, pay for a year off of of me not training. And thankfully I had amazing sponsors and they supported me through my pregnancy, but I never had the thought of I'm not going to get my body back. And, you know, I, I feel like I am back to, to where I was pre pregnancy. And so I think that's, it's just something that I don't want women to think they can't do it because I do believe that you can have a family and be an athlete. Well, and it seems like you guys have a pretty good family system. So Patrick, <laughs> he's is he like full-on stay-at-home dad slash Gwen Sherpa? Exactly, yep. Um, he, he got a promotion from stay-at-home, stay-at-home husband to stay-at-home dad. So he's had a lot more work to do. But he's <laughs> sure. been a, yeah, he's been amazing. And, and, you know, I couldn't have made this transition I couldn't have had a family w- without his support um you know having a child is a lot of work and he takes a lot of pride in in being a dad and he's just so wonderful with our son Stanley okay I have to admit so I have three sons and I'm pregnant with my fourth <gasps> oh congrats thank you um but Stanley has been on my short list and I didn't even know of names and I did not even know that your son's name was Stanley until <laughs> recently and I I literally when I thought of that name cuz I like these like classic old yep. school names like my other yep. kids names are Marshall, Lewis and Russell Aww. and I said the just before I started researching the interview I said what about Stanley I I know one person named Stanley and he's my uncle Yep. And then I was like, what? Gwen Jorgensen's son's name is Stanley. So tell me where you came up with that name. 
it's actually a family name, but the reason we came up with it was Patrick said to me, what about the name Stanley? And he didn't know, Patrick didn't know that that was my grandpa's name. (gasps) And I was like, yes, sold. That's the name we're doing. Um, It actually had a little bit of uh, some of, we made the mistake of telling our family and friends and we had a lot of people say, we don't like that name. We don't like that name, but, but we stuck it out. And, you know, my grandpa, um, he actually, when I was little, I remember he always told me when I loved swimming, he was like, you need to run. I think you could be an Olympian if you just ran. And I just always had this close bond with, with my grandpa around athletics. And I just have really good memories of times with him. And so it's, it's really amazing. I think to have that as a, a family name for our son. It's the best name. It really is. Thanks. You're welcome. Do you, do you know that you're having a boy for sure? Yes, a fourth boy. What is wrong wow. with us? That's all we produce, apparently. You're going to have a pretty soon you're going to have a full like basketball team or something. I know. No, no, no. I'm stopping at four. I can't do this anymore. I, can, I can't be physically pregnant again. I'm like losing my mind this time around. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't think I don't think being pregnant's the worst part. I I just don't know if I could actually give birth four times. Oh my gosh, credit to you. Well, Tough. no. I have read your birth story and my birth I have not had anything near that experience. <laughs> well, I'm always like I you hear these stories of these women that just have babies riding in the car to the hospital. I'm like, "How does it just pop out?" What yeah. like what's happening? You're you're like, that was not, that was so far from my experience. So we'll, since we brought it up, we'll tell everybody that Gwen had an insane labor and delivery. Weren't you in labor for two days? Yes. Yeah, I was. Um, but you know, I, I got an epidural, which helped. I was actually, I was able to get some sleep after I got an epidural, which was nice. I slept through, through some contractions. (laughs) Oh, I mean, yeah. Once you get the epidural, life is good, but then you pushed for several hours. I mean, was it five hours? Yeah, it was, well, I pushed for four and a half and they said, we're reaching the state limit and you need to make a decision of a C-section or use a vacuum. So we chose for a vacuum and I mean, it was, it was very scary. Um, you know, I, my blood pressure went up, um, Stanley's heart rate was dropping and I actually, when they, when I actually gave birth finally, um, he, you know, they had to rush him off right away and, and just, uh, get his heart rate back to normal. So it was a bit intense and scary, but, um, yeah, I would say then, you know, for two or three weeks, I could barely walk. And yeah, it's just it's a it's an incredible thing what the woman female body can do. Um, so I'm always like when I hear women that have a lot of kids, I, I'm just at the point where I'm like, we should just adopt. Yeah, I don't want to do this part. Again. But I wonder if they would and if if you would be open to it, would they just want to just schedule a C-section with you since that was so traumatic? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if I would want a C-section. Yeah. Um, you know, I think another issue with um Stanley's birth is they I was measuring small and I thought it was going to be a very tiny baby Mm. um and he he wasn't huge but he was seven pounds ten ounces and for me to push that out it was just a little bit bigger than he also had a big head hopefully (laughs) hopefully there's a lot of brain in there (laughs) right oh man so Stanley's going to be one August 16th Yep. Are you guys planning a birthday party? Do, does Patrick plan those things or what does that look like? <laughs> um, we won't have a birthday party, but we've been talking about what we're going to make him. He is, he, I love the way he eats, but he hates sweets. Like I gave him a cookie the other day and he put it in his mouth and he literally spit it out. Huh. So I'm like, his favorite food is blue cheese and hummus. So I'm like, wow. maybe I just make a blue cheese cake or cheesecake or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yes. That those are his very, favorite foods. Yes. I know. He and he loves broccoli too. He he's a big uh savory type of guy. Although I have to say my best eater at that age was my first and that is 
100%, I think, because I was better about making sure he tried different things when he was a baby. <laughs> and like with my third, I'm like, oh, good, you can eat. Here's some Cheerios, you know, just yep. like what's easy, what's Throw convenient. Yep. Yeah. But the hummus oh. is always a good thing. Okay. So the ladies in my Facebook group want to know where they can find themselves a Patrick. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. That's my best kept secret. I don't know how I snatched him. Um, I, I mean, he's amazing. He really, he does everything. And he always has a smile on his face when he does it too. And, you know, he cooks, he cleans. And he also just, you know, I think there's a lot of, in, in our society, I think there's less, you know, now it's, it's become more popular for, for men to stay at home and be stay at home dads, but there's still kind of a stereotype. And he just, he loves it. He really embraces his stay at home dad job. And, um, he just does such an incredible job of it. Yeah. I actually just posted on Instagram yesterday, this like crazy, I had a crazy day with my kids and I felt like, uh, just like I was saying things I shouldn't say. And I was so mad (laughs) because everybody was going nuts. And I said in the post that I think that my husband actually, do a better job at this than I, I do, you know, and I, I work, I do this, you know, two days a week, but then I'm home three days a week. And I, and I really truly mean that. I really think that he's the kind of guy that just has the, a calmer nature than I do. And he'd do a good job. So I get that. And I see when I was watching your videos and stuff, I'm like, I was looking at Patrick and I was thinking, I think Glenn could totally handle that. So I guess I just need to become an elite athlete. (laughs) Have him take over. Yeah. Yeah, But I mean, it's hard work. Like I used to always think I wanted to be a stay at home mom and it's a lot of work to do that. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's harder than having a job and, you know, coming home to your child at night. It's just, it takes a lot of energy. It, It takes a lot of focus and, you know, you're, you're not really able to have adult conversations all day. And I think that's something that, that's hard sometimes. So I just have so much respect for people that are able to do that. And I feel really fortunate as well. I mean, my job's very, um, fluid in the sense that, you know, I I am able to be home a lot, um, with Stanley as well, which was just amazing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's an emotional and there's a physical side of, of staying home because at the different ages, it's physically exhausting. And then once they get to be like three and they're throwing temper tantrums, it's also emotionally oh. exhausting, yep. you know? Um, yep. And on these two days that I do, I come in and I work and I podcast and stuff, I think I get home and I'm like, hey, everybody. Yep. <laughs> I'm like yeah. a new woman. So are you still breastfeeding? No, I actually stopped about one month ago. Okay. So how's that going? Are you, are you totally weaned off? Are you feeling good? Yes. Um, yeah, really good. You know, it, I don't think I realized how much energy that was taking up. And then as well, when I weaned, I actually got, I don't know, I had like a week that I was pretty emotional. My hormones, I think just went wacky. Um, and that was a little bit of a surprise for me, but you know, it's just nice when you're exhausted from a day, um, you want to go to bed and you don't have to, you know, get all ready and, feed and, you know, do all that thing, all those things. So, um, it's actually been good and yeah, you know, Stanley transitioned really well. And so I feel very lucky that he, uh, you know, some babies don't take bottles and things and he does, and he also just eats so much food. Um, and he's almost a year old that he's not even having that much formula right now. So, yeah, I always feel like when people wean off breastfeeding, it's almost like that you have that postpartum risk, I guess is what I would say of yep. going into that anxiety and depression that some people get at three months postpartum. Cause that's when they stop breastfeeding or right after yep. birth, you know, because man, your hormones do go crazy. 
Yeah. I mean, I wanted to, uh, everything just, I just wanted to cry. Like I would go for a run and I just wanted to cry. I'm like, why? Like I'm doing something <laughs> I love. Like what is happening? It was, it was a very weird week. Um, and then, you know, I think on top of that, it's, well, I think, you know, part of it's probably just biologically, maybe our bodies were made to not want to stop breastfeeding. Cause they, you know, maybe it's this instinctual thing where, you should breastfeed to keep your son or daughter alive. And maybe that's where the the hormones come from. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Did you find that you were hungry? I mean, you're probably always hungry anyway because of your intense training, but were you extra hungry with the breastfeeding? Oh, my goodness. I mean, we couldn't get enough food. It was, you know, really being um, just making sure Pat was – really making sure that I was getting a lot of food. And on top of that, I think what surprised me the most was probably how much I needed to drink. Just so thirsty. You know, I could just, I was drinking so much water every day. <laughs> okay. So let's get into running. So here is a question, which I think I might know the answer to now that I know that your love for running has been so strong for all these years. Uh, outside of triathlon, but you're clearly talented and extremely driven. And I've heard you mention already in several other podcasts and interviews that you achieved your gold medal in triathlon. So it really wouldn't be the same to go back and try to do the exact same thing. Um, What I'm curious about, though, is what made you decide instead of, you know, people go on to do full Ironman and do Kona, like Sarah True, you know, just competed and she wants to do yes, second place. Yep. Um, and you were like, you know, kind of the top dog, one of the top dogs in triathlon. And now you're entering this world of a really competitive field of American women's marathoning. So tell me your thoughts on going from like Gwen Jorgensen, she's the name to Gwen Jorgensen and all these other, you know, top (laughs) runners like Des and and uh, Jordan and everybody else that's in that group. Yeah, you know, I'm. I would say I'm not even in that group yet because I haven't done um, a marathon or you know or anything to prove it that I'm at that level. But for me, I I wanted a challenge and I wanted something that would motivate me every day. And you know, I felt like in running, I have never reached my potential. I started running in college, but I only ran for about two and a half years. I didn't start until my junior year and you know, then I transitioned into triathlon and I felt like, I didn't feel like I know that my running times were improving and I just feel like I haven't reached that potential in running and I want to know what my potential is. I believe that it's very high. I've been very bold about what I believe I can do. And I want, I just want that challenge. You know, I want something that's new, something that every day I can wake up and say, I'm excited about doing this. And, and triathlon wasn't that, you know, I, I, I don't like riding a time trial bike. Um, As I said earlier, I don't like swimming anymore. So, you know, the thought of if I wanted to transition to longer course, it just wasn't exciting for me. I didn't want to get up and do something that I didn't enjoy every day, whereas running, I I absolutely love it. And so I I just felt like that was a, a great challenge for me. It's crazy to hear someone that is so accomplished at your level in triathlon say they don't really like swimming or biking anymore. Well, I, I enjoy cycling. Um, I just could time trial bikes. I did one race every year that was a non-draft and I hated training for it. Every time I had to get on my TT bike, I complained. Um, and I just didn't enjoy it. Um, but I, I do like one of my favorite things now. I, this is probably maybe 
not good as a as a <laughs> used to be a, a triathlete and rode a bike a lot, but I have an electric bike, a, um, a specialized Vado, and it's just amazing. Like Pat and I will take that and Stanley, and we'll go to like the food carts here in Portland, or you know I ride it to training every day and it's just it's so enjoyable I still love getting on a bike and, and riding um but yeah I just didn't want to do a, a TT bike and did not want to swim <laughs> okay so how'd you choose how'd you narrow it down to training with the Bowerman Track Club I interviewed a few coaches and you know I I wanted to be with Bowerman I really felt like um you know they they are the pinnacle in in the sport right now Jerry uh, the coach Jerry, he in this last Olympic cycle, seven of his eight women made it to the Olympics. He has Shalane, he has Amy, so Shalane Flanagan, Amy Craig, who are top marathoners. And I really learned from triathlon that I needed people to train with that would push me and that that I could see on a daily basis. I really felt like I improved the most in triathlon by by training with the Wollongong Wizards, which were my training group, and then being with those strong women every day and and them pushing me. So I felt really fortunate. You know, I called Jerry. I actually had a lot of connections with Jerry. So I think he had a little of a soft spot in his heart for me because we both grew up in Waukesha. He was coaching at uh, the Wisconsin at Wisconsin Madison when I was there. So we had all these connections and, um, you know, he was one of the few coaches as well that didn't say, this is crazy what you're trying to do. He more said, who knows, maybe you can be good. We don't know yet. So I just feel really fortunate to be a part of that group. That's just killing it right now. Okay. So I, I've had the opportunity to interview several of, of your teammates over there. So that's exciting for me. Um, Jerry, and Amy are two on my list that I haven't gotten to yet. Ooh, so they're, Jerry's probably going to be a hard one to get. <laughs> I know, but you know what? I am going to figure it out. I have like done everything in my power to like find his email or <laughs> like one day. And when I interviewed Shelby, probably, I don't know, last fall or something, or maybe it was early spring. Um, I said, I like to ask people, who is someone you'd like to hear on my show? Who would you come back and listen to? And she said, Jerry. Oh, my goodness. It's her fault. She planted the seed. I would love Uh, to listen to it, too. I mean, he's so interested. It'd be interesting because he just never does interviews. So, yes, um, I know. Yeah, but good luck. I'm not so certain that that he'll be easy to get. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm putting it. I'm I'm doing this thing. I'm putting it out to the world. So I'm making the statement. You're gonna that you're gonna get them. I mean, that's what I like to do with goals, and that's what I do. I mean, I think that's excellent. That's what you need to do, and yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. Okay. All right, Jerry, we're gonna hear from you. Okay. So <laughs> tell tell me, tell me what are some key things you've already in your short time uh, working with him? What have you learned from Jerry? Yeah, you know, um, Jerry is uh, he really he allows a lot of freedom, but then he has um, very structured workouts, which Sounds counterintuitive, counterintuitive, I guess. But you know, he's really good at um, finding out what your weaknesses are and then helping you overcome those. So, like for me, you know, I haven't been running for a really long time, and we need to get my miles up. And a lot of it is just him working with me, trying to get those miles higher, so that I can at least be on a level playing field with all the other people that have been running a hundred mile weeks for years and years and years. Um, you know, and just being a part of the group, I think it's pretty amazing. Jerry is someone who sees big picture. So I think, you know, you just talked about you interviewed Shelby. She, I would say, you know, last year wasn't, um, 
where she wanted to be. She, I think she was doing amazing, but you know, she was putting in this work and Jerry could see the big picture and he could see where she was going. But for her, you know, in the moment, I think in an athlete, it's hard to, if you don't see that immediate success, sometimes it's difficult. And now you see Shelby, she's killing it. She's, you know, winning diamond league races and getting PRs every week and, and just, you know, every, (laughs) everything starting to really come together. And that's not just because she had, you know, the last month of altitude training went great. It's because she put in this two year block of commitment and work. And, you know, Jerry is able to really see that big picture and, and really, you know, when he has a long-term goal, he's able to help athletes get there. Shelby is on fire and I have interviewed a lot of elite athletes and everybody's fierce. You know, if you're at this level <laughs> that you're at, you guys are all fierce, but something about Shelby, man, she is like, I don't know if I was on her level. I don't know that I'd want to toe the line next to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah, she is on fire right now. And just her whole personality and, um, she's just, you know, she's just always so, she's always got a lot of energy. Like I'll be at training camp and Shelby will have put in such solid work, like killing it in workouts. I'm dead tired. And she'll be like, literally like, prancing up the stairs like with so much energy and pop and you can just see it like in her like that's Shelby like she's got this special something and yeah she is on this she's so fun and like um you know like she does this French bread Friday thing every uh-huh. she's funny and she is very just um you know not fierce when it's not competitive mm-hmm. time but she lines up on the line and you look at her face and you look at her and you're like oh boy I do not yeah <laughs> like she she's ready to go she's bringing her a game hey everybody real quick I want to jump in and thank a sponsor for this episode and that is four sigmatic four sigmatic makes drinking mushrooms delicious and easy to do with their wide variety of superfood and super good for you beverages from mushroom coffees, matchas, to hot cacao, and multiple mushroom blends. They have it all. I am a fan of their elixirs. We drink the Chaga elixir, the Lion's Mane elixir, over at the Hine household. And we also mix in the superfood blends with our morning juice. And if you're looking for something a little bit sweet and fun, they have a mocha mushroom mix, which is really good. And their products are organically grown. They're third-party, quality-tested, And they have multiple brewing options from instant ground coffee and mushroom pods. There is a million ways you can enjoy their coffees. And they are offering listeners of the show a 15% discount. So if you guys just go to foursigmatic.com slash another and use the promo code another, you can get 15% off your order. That's foursigmatic.com slash another. Use the promo code ANOTHER to get 15% off your order. And guys, when you support sponsors of this show, you are directly supporting the show. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for Sigmatic for sponsoring this episode. All right, guys, let's continue my conversation with Gwen Jorgensen. So tell me about uh, sharing miles with Shalane. She's arguably one of the best and most well-known distance runners in the world. What have you learned from her? Oh, yeah. You know, um, Shalane... It, it, I spent a whole month with just me and Shalane and, you know, just, I think what I learned from her is you're not, you're rarely going to feel good, you know, when you're running these high mileage weeks and you're at altitude and, you know, in triathlon, I would wake up and I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily be full of energy, but I also wouldn't 
hurt. And I feel like in, in running, when you just put in that many miles, there's always something that kind of just is a little bit stiff or creaky or, or something. And, you know, she's able to just show up every day, do that work and, you know, get it done. And that, that really, I think pays off in the long run. How much have you had to increase your, you know, massages and things like that since you're strictly focusing on such a high impact activity? A ton. I mean, first I, like in triathlon, I would literally, we ran first thing in the morning. So I'd wake up and literally roll out of bed, brush my teeth and go for a run. Like didn't stretch, didn't walk, (laughs) like nothing. Didn't, a lot of times I wouldn't even eat breakfast. A lot of times I would do that first run fasted. Um, and, And now in running, I have to wake up. I have to be awake for an hour and a half before my run. I have to do an hour of well, it's more like 45 minutes of like stretching and prehab and warm up and, and things like that before the run. And then I'm getting massage or dry needling or something like that every other day. And I really wow. found, yeah, I've, I found, I was actually able to increase my miles. Um, I went up to altitude like a month ago, I'd say, and or a month and a half ago. And the only reason I was able to increase my miles was because I was getting treatment every other day. So it, it gets expensive and it's an investment. Um, but I think something that Patrick and I have really learned is you have to, if you're taking a risk and you want it to pay off, you have to make a lot of investments. And I like to call them investments instead of Mm -hmm. expenses. Um, I'm like, it's an investment in my future. And so, you know, we, we originally invested by having Pat quit his job to support me. And at the beginning, no, that's risky financially, but it paid off. And so, you know, I'm just doing everything I can to, to be the best athlete because I do want to reach my potential. Yeah, I was talking to my husband about the situation you guys have, and we were like, well, if he didn't stay home and do what he's doing with Stanley, like, you guys would never see each other. It would be so hard, and you'd have to be traveling without him all the time. Yeah, I couldn't do it. There's no way. Um, You know, and a lot of athletes do that. They have partners where that they never see. They go to altitude camps for a month, and um, yeah, I just... It's a decision we made that I think really helps us as a whole. It it helps my performance, and um, it's also just more enjoyable. <laughs> so what's it like crossing the finish line now that you have Stanley? Do you look for him right when you finish if he's there? I do. Um, you know, I've only – he's out of – I've only done about five races, and I think he – wasn't at two of them, another two he slept through. So really it's only been like one race. Um, but it's just, you know, it's amazing to see him and, you know, I'm coming into a new sport. These races aren't, um, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal. I don't finish. And I'm like, yes, that was great. Um, so it's really nice to just kind of see Stanley and he always brings a smile to my face and always just brings that perspective of what's really important in life. Yeah, you just finished Peach Tree. You grabbed fifth yep. in thirty three ten. How did you feel about that finish? Yeah, you know, I there were some positives. Um, you know, before every race, I write down processes or techniques that I want to accomplish, and some of those were I, you know, I was able to stay in the moment in that race. I was able to give it my all. I really finished that race feeling depleted. Um, I was able to have a higher cadence, which is something I was working on. So there's all these positives that came from that race. Um, but you know, obviously I'm not, I never go into a race wanting to finish fifth being like, yes, I just can't wait to go finish fifth. Like that's going to be awesome. So, you know, it's, it, it was, a, I think, you know, it was, a it was a good start of, you know, really, I felt like, you know, I took basically two years off of 
racing and training hard with with giving birth to Stanley. And so I feel like I'm finally getting that mental um, magic back. I'm maybe getting a little bit of the Shelby-ness. Um, I'm not quite uh, at her fierce level yet um, when the gun goes off, but, you know, I'm getting back to that. It, it just takes some time for me, and I feel like I'm, you know, starting to go in the, the right direction yeah, you won an Olympic gold medal. You have the fierceness in you <laughs> for sure. Now the the girls that you were right behind though, I mean, those are were those the names of the people that when you towed the line you were thinking, these are my competitors. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, Stephanie um beat me by a lot. She won the race um and she beat me by quite a bit on the track just a week earlier and you know Alephine has been on the roads just winning almost every race on the roads yeah um this year so you know she and then uh Sarah Hall who Sarah Hall's been just having a phenomenal I think past year she's just she's always been really good and I feel like she's now just so consistent and just keeps improving all of her PRs and um you know it was and then Allie Kiefer was in front of me as well, who is someone who, uh, you know, is coming back from injury and, and really a, a great competitor. So, you know, it was really awesome to have, I think, you know, two moms in front of me as well. Yeah. Um, that yeah. That's something that's really motivating and encouraging. And I really, it's something that I'm passionate about. We talked about it earlier, but I just do want women to feel like they can ha- be a mom and have a career in athletics or in, in whatever they want. So for Stephanie and Sarah to be just doing so well is something that, also just motivates me. Yeah, I love hearing that. So what do you do in a race like that when it's hard? (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, um, I for that race, I, you know, was like, it's only a 10k. I'm just going to go out with the leaders. and I'm going to hang on for as long as I can. It was hot, super hot, super humid, really hilly. Of course, that you couldn't really get in a rhythm because it was either the first like 800 meters were flat, but besides that, it was either downhill or uphill. So it was really hard to get in a rhythm. So for me, I just tried to stick on the back of them and you know focus on my cadence, focus on just one one more step or one more minute of of holding on. And that's something you can't do in a marathon because you don't want to go out and blow up. Um, but in but in a 10k race, that that's my strategy is more to just you know go with it and um, hope to hang on. 10Ks are scary. I I think that that's the hardest distance. Like, you know, like a 5K, you hurt so bad, but it's so short. Um, And a 10K is like, it's so long, but it's so short at the same time. You can go fast because it's short, but yeah. (laughs) It's tricky. Yeah. So are you allowed to say, or do you know when your next marathon is going to be? So Jerry and I are just discussing that and we are planning for a fall marathon. So um, no, yes, no decision on which one, but you know, there's not that many you could, (laughs) you could bring it down to three races that, that uh, are in the mix. So yeah. (laughs) Oh wait, Chicago, New York. And what am I missing? Well, there's like Berlin. Berlin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. So when, when can we, when do you think we'll expect the announcement? Yeah, I think we're, I think Jerry and I will be deciding within the next week or so. Um, well, we for sure probably will be because, uh, yeah, we like to have like a, he likes to do a 12 week build for the marathon and, you know, some I've done kind of a build with Shalane before. I just wasn't doing the miles. I just kind of saw, watched her do it (laughs) while I did like half the miles, but, um, you know, it's a, it's quite an intense, 12 week period. So, you know, we, we kind of need those 12 weeks. So we'll have to make that decision pretty soon because the races are coming up quick. Yeah, they are. So when you enter the 12 week build, like the 12 weeks of intensity, 
where are your miles going to be at entering that? Um, you know, I'm right about a hundred right now. And, and I think we want to get a more like 120, but it's also, uh, you know, we'll, I'll be going to altitude and it's hard to build intensity and build the miles and be at altitude all at the same time. And as well, I just don't know how my body can handle that. So we're going to kind of take it one week at a time. And, um, you know, in a, in a perfect world, I'd already be at 120 miles, but the, the clock's kind of ticking. And at some point we need to get that experience of racing a marathon. So, um, yeah, we're just going to kind of go for it. <laughs> and so you, I mean, you ran New York in 2016, you did the, the 241 yep. on like zero mileage not really well, but... I was doing I was doing like 40 miles a week and yeah. I was doing a lot of biking miles. and swimming <laughs> yeah and didn't you compete in a triathlon like the week before yeah I did a I did three races six days prior yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is just like a completely different ball game yep <laughs> so what do you dream about with this race this fall race that you potentially are going to do what when you go to bed at night what are you dreaming about yeah, you know, for this first marathon, um, you know, I think something I gained from running that New York race was just a huge amount of respect for the distance. I went into New York being like, oh, I'll just go out with the leaders. It's no big deal. <laughs> and I blew up. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, I think for this first marathon, what we want to do is we want to have a, a solid race. Um, you know, not going to go for broke, you know, we're not going to just go for it. Um, we're going to go for a solid race, I think, and, and really want to have like a strong last, um, you know, 10 K or something or have, you know, just be able to finish the race and feeling like, Oh, I had a little more in my tank, but that was a good solid hit out. And, you know, I'm saying this now, but I haven't done the training yet. And I think it'll all kind of depend on how the, the training goes within that 12 week build. But, you know, in a, what I imagine is just wanting to have a, a solid race, nothing extraordinary, just because I don't think I'm, I'm there yet and won't be there, but I want to have a, yeah, just a good solid race where I finish feeling like I'm making some progress. Yeah. I mean, it's a testament to the fact that you really do have to build season upon season. Yep. And yeah. And the marathon too, it's, it's something you train for so long for and you only get one shot, one opportunity and everything has to go perfectly to have one of those great races. And the likelihood of my first, I'm going to call it my first race, even though I did New York, but the likelihood of my <laughs> first marathon going perfectly is probably not uh, very high. So, you know, just kind of getting in that race and making sure I grab my fluids and making sure, you know, that I'm, you know, getting, just the right feedback and pace and time and, and knowing how to kind of, you know, which, which surges can I go with and, and which ones can't I and, and things like that. Yeah. I was wondering if you were kind of visualizing this as your first true go at it. I mean, that's, that is a huge difference in the way you're going to train for this compared to when you just kind of like, I'm just going to jump in and run the New York city. Marathon. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely view, um, whatever I do this, if I do on this fall, I, I would view that as my, my debut. <laughs> so do you miss anything about triathlon? I miss the people for sure. Um, you know, I, I had some really good friendships that I had formed through the sport. And, um, you know, I also, I do, I, I liked cycling and I liked, you know, there'd be about once a week when we'd have an easy ride and, um, you know, you'd be able to go out and maybe stop at a coffee shop or something like that. And that's always really enjoyable, but, um, I'm definitely happy that I'm full-time running. <laughs> 
What's your best advice to getting back at it after giving birth? Um, a, a lot of advice I have, you know, I think being patient and being kind to yourself, I really felt, you know, I've had a lot of people say, wow, I can't believe you've come back so quickly after giving birth. And I feel like it's been so slow. Um, you know, I, I took seven weeks off basically. And then, you know, when I started back up running, I was going out for 15 minutes where I do a one minute run, five minute walk. Um, so, you know, it was, it was very slow at the beginning. I think you have to be kind to yourself, be generous, know that giving birth is a, is a huge, just energy. It takes a lot of energy and, um, it takes your body a while to recover. And then as well, something that's really helped me is seeing a pelvic floor PT, um, and they can help with just everything, you know, there's small things such as like some of your little ab muscles turn off. So getting those to reactivate and it can also help with things if you have some problems of, you know, leakage or, or something that, that maybe happened with pregnancy and they can really get your whole body healed back up. So I'm a huge, uh, believer in pelvic floor PTs. For sure. Now, do you beyond, so this will be 2018, right? It's 2018, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> this will be the fall of 2018. That gives you two years before the trials. Um, I mean, is that, is that where your sights are? Yeah. The next, you know, big race is definitely, you know, it's February 29th, um, are the trials in Atlanta. So, you know, that's kind of the, the first big picture, big picture step. So everything is just kind of to prepare me for, for that first race. Do you think that it'll be kind of like a two marathon thing a year leading up to that? I mean, I guess we just have then, you know, you have this fall, then you have the spring and then you have the next fall, but would you do a fall one right before that? No. Right. Uh, Probably not, but that's a, uh, you know, you, this is why you probably need to get Jerry on to ask him these yeah. questions and yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Come on, Jerry. Yeah. You know, I think we're just kind of taking it, um, you know, one, one race at a time and then reevaluating and, and seeing where things are. And, um, you know, a lot of things can happen as well with marathon training. A lot of times you get injured or there's things like that. So, um, I haven't really planned out which races, um, we would do, or even the, the big, you know, probably depends on how these, the marathons go as well. The ones that I do. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you like racing the shorter distances? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like racing. Um, I, I just like racing in general. If Jerry says I can race, I get so excited. <laughs> um, I would race every week if I could, but that's not the best way to have a good race. Um, you know, I think the best way to have a, a good race is to have focused training and then you need you come in and, and you have a, a hit out. But, um, you know, I've really enjoyed, he's kind of let me race more than some other women. And I think that's just cause I don't have a lot of experience. So I've been, uh, I've been happy with some of the shorter races I've been able to do. Do you get nervous when you race? It sounds like you get more excited. Yeah. You know, I get, I get nervous. Um, I also get excited. I, I am normally like long-term out, like when I first hear I get to race, I get very excited and, um, anticipated and like it, but then, you know, a day, before and the day of, I definitely, um, feel nerves. Now training with the Bowerman crew, um, are you 32? Yes, I, I think, you, <laughs> I think, I know I feel the same way somewhere in, somewhere in the mid thirties. Yep. You're still in the early thirties, yep. <laughs> but do you have a sense of, I mean, you've got the really younger girls and then Shalane's a little bit older. Do you feel 
older than a lot of those younger girls on the team? Do you see a difference in, in your life and in all that? Well, I'm the only one of the Bowerman crew that has a, a baby. Um, yeah. So, you know, I guess that kind of sometimes can make you feel like you're older. But, you know, the these women have been running for longer than me. And so a lot sure. of times I feel like they're more mature in the in the running sense uh-huh. and the running world. And so I feel like they're older than me in that regard. So, you know, I look up to a lot of them and look to them for advice, even though a lot of them are younger than me. Um, you know, Shalane and Amy are more we're we're us marathoners I guess are a little bit older um but it's amazing to be able to get advice from them and as well as some of the the younger athletes yeah okay I'm gonna do my end of the podcast questions that I always do and did you read them no okay did you send did you send them yeah by the way is that Patrick I'm emailing with yeah I figured I was like I guarantee this is Patrick (laughs) (laughs) um And then I do like a couple extra bonus questions. I have a Patreon page where, you know, dedicated listeners support the show that I always keep people on and just do additional questions to give them a thanks for their support. Yep. So Gwen, what is one thing professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, I really want to go to Thailand and try it and try their foods. Does Patrick cook Thai food for you? He does. Yes, he does. Yeah. Um, he does some really good, uh, like, curries, and he does a really good pad thai. And, yeah, he does. But I, I, I've just heard that the food there is phenomenal and that it's inexpensive. So I've just always mm-hmm. wanted to go there. So this is just a for-fun trip. This has nothing to do with running. Nothing to do with running. Correct. What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Uh, d- giving birth to Stanley. Mm. Yeah. Trump's the gold medal. Oh, a hundred percent. It actually, based on your your labor story, it actually sounds like it was maybe more difficult than that. <laughs> it was well, you know, you you can train for and you can prepare for the Olympics, but giving birth, I don't think you can really train for that or prepare. Like, you know, a lot of times in training in athletics, you you try to exceed the demands of competition in training, so you get to the race, and it's not that the race is easy, but you kind of already been there physically and mentally in training. And I don't think you can go there in childbirth before childbirth. I just don't think you can. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when I, um, be for my sec, I had a C-section with my first, but for my second, I V-backed and, um, before I got my epidural, I knew I was going to get one, but it was so painful. Uh And I was being such a baby. I was like screaming and crying and I was apologizing to the nurse because I was embarrassed about how (laughs) like, terrible I was being and she was like you didn't train for this like you did not go into this thinking you weren't going to get an epidural so like you are not prepared for this at all and women who go in saying I want to try natural like they sure as heck better have prepared as best as they could you know yep yep and so I had I had no idea what to expect so yeah that makes sense what if you if you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun or inspiring who would it be Oh, see, I'm, you're going to think this is super lame, but I, I just want to say Patrick and Stanley, but I, you know, always am just with him. So uh, <laughs> you get that every day. I do get that every day. So I have to pick someone, if I have to pick someone else, it'd probably be some sort of like food network star or something. Um, yeah. I used to always say Anthony Bourdain, but mm. uh, he's, he's passed now, which is super sad. So, um, 
I'll he can still be on your list. Okay, he, he's on my list. I'll, I'll say he him. He can be in your you could you can meet his afterlife so yes, wherever yes, he is. Yes. Yes. Um, do you like to cook too though? Yes, I I do. Um I actually I normally bake, so Pat's not a big baker, so a lot of times I'll I'll bake uh, desserts or like an oatmeal bake or something. Pat never likes to follow directions. He somehow just whips things together and they taste delicious without him following a recipe. Whereas me, I feel like I miss something by a teaspoon and I like, it turns out really bad. (laughs) Same. I, I feel like, um, if we lived in the same city, Glenn and Patrick have a lot of similar qualities and you and I do because that's the same I've baked almost all of my kids birthday cakes but he cooks dinner every night like I don't and he doesn't measure anything yeah it's crazy they just know somehow and it's always good like last night actually he just made me a grilled cheese um and I was like why is this grilled cheese so much better than it would have been if I would have made it it's just a grilled cheese yep Pat does the same thing with just like a simple thing like scrambled eggs it's how do you do it so phenomenal phenomenally it's crazy yeah why are these eggs so much better yep (laughs) if you had one message to send to the world what would it be I I want more than one. Um, okay, you can give you can give a couple. Um, okay, so I think take take risks. Don't be afraid to take risks, big risks. Um, and another thing that I think of is, you know, view things as investments, not sacrifices. So a lot of times you think, oh, I need to do that, but then I have to sacrifice going to a wedding or a friend's party, but. If you have to miss out on something, view it as an investment in something else. And then I like to say focus on the the process and instead of the outcome. So those are kind of mm. my my three things. I feel like I just went to school or church or something. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> what are you loving right now? Do you have a favorite like drink or apparel or anything like that? Man, um, this is – so like I – I'm just thinking of this because before I start like my 12 week build of the marathon, I having like two weeks of you can eat whatever you want, drink whatever you want. And I normally eat whatever I want anyway. Um, but I normally don't have a lot of alcohol and I always Mm. think I want wine. And every time I have some, I just have a sip and I'm like, uh, that's enough. And, but I love beer for some reason, but I just, I never think I love beer and then I'll have a sip and oh, it's just so refreshing. So I'm kind of loving just, beer right now. <laughs> what's, what's your favorite kind? Like an IPA or? Um, I just like lighter beers. Um, yeah. Patrick always makes fun of me cause I kind of like Coors Light. Um, mm, but <laughs> yeah, so yeah, just something cool and refreshing. Coors Light, Bud Light, Miller Light. It all just tastes like college to me. <laughs> <laughs> like I just think of like beer pong yep, and yep. flippy cup. And yep. anytime I have a sip of one, I'm like, oh, college. And then I'm thinking, when did I become such a beer elitist? <laughs> like, I would never actually buy that. Well, I'm starting to think maybe that's why I like those types of beers, because I have so many good memories from college, and it just brings me back. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Ooh, um Right now I'm reading Jackie Robinson's book. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, my favorite book – my two favorite books ever are actually written by the same, I believe they're the same ghostwriter. Um, 
and I can't remember his name, but they're uh, Shoe Dog, so Phil Knight's book. Oh, and, yeah. And then um, Open, Andre Agassi's book. Um, those are just my top two books that I've probably ever read. And, um, yeah, I, I like to read a lot of autobiographies. And right now uh, the one I'm reading is uh, Jackie Robinson's. Now, I haven't read Andre Agassi, but I did read Shoe Dog. I didn't know that it, he had a ghostwriter. Well, now you're making me question myself. But, I should assume um, that any anybody super <laughs> famous has a ghostwriter. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm. Don't quote me on it. Okay, I won't. Now, but speaking of that, would you ever be interested in writing a book? You know, what's uh, my mom and sister actually wrote a book about my journey so far. Really? Uh huh. And they they are looking for a publisher. Um, oh, let's get that pitch. I Come know, on. I know. So they actually wrote one. Um, Patrick's always, he's kind of always encouraged me to write a book. I've never, for me, I'm in the moment right now of, yeah. I want to, I want to do big things. And in order to do that in my sport, I feel like I need to focus on the sport a hundred percent. And, you know, I already have Stanley and I have, you know, all these other things in my life. So I feel like I'm kind of maxed out in capacity right now. I, I think the, the only book I'm a little bit open to doing right now is, um, for Patrick to write a cookbook. <laughs> oh yes, Patrick, come on. Yep. I'm all for that. That's yep. a great idea. <laughs> I, my like marketing brain is going all these different directions. <laughs> all right. Well, Gwen, I, Loved this conversation, and I know everybody listening is going to love it. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you for having me. We are excited to hear what race you're going to pick for the fall. <laughs> me too. All right. Thank you. Thanks. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you, Gwen, for coming on the show and sharing your life with us a little bit. You guys can follow Gwen on social media. She's Gwen Jorgensen. And check out her YouTube channel as well. It's really fun. I've heard a lot of people talking about it, and it's really well done. Uh, love following Gwen and her journey, and she just seems like the real deal. You guys can follow me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can follow me on Twitter at lindsayhine, and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. If you are looking for ways to support this show, I have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash lindsayhine, which is a way for loyal listeners, regular listeners to get behind the work that I do behind this show for a monthly donation as little as $3 or $5 a month. And you get bonus content with that as well. So that helps me to prepare for the show, to interview guests, to edit the show, to produce the show and everything that goes on behind the scenes, which is quite a bit of work that I very much enjoy doing. So Patreon helps me do that. That's patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. Thanks for Sigmatic for supporting this podcast. Go to forsigmatic.com slash another and use the promo code another for 15% off your order. All right, you guys, I got a bonus episode coming out this weekend with Shelby Houlihan. Super excited to get that out to you and in your ears in the next day, maybe even this afternoon. Have a great Friday. Have a great rest of the weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.